Hello, everybody, and welcome back to UXchange, the podcast where I exchange my user experiences to change them and yours for the better. I'm Jeremy, a mentor and senior user researcher with over eight years of experience and a background in neuroscience. Throughout my career, I've had the privilege of engaging with hundreds of users around the world, spanning across Europe, the USA, Africa, and India. This has allowed me to deliver actionable insights that have improved user experiences with nutrition, automotive, delivery, and e-commerce sectors. I've created this podcast with the aim of providing my mentorship and educational content, offering actionable tips, knowledge, and guidance in the realm of research, specifically focusing on UX research to anyone having an interest in this area. And I hope that you will find this episode insightful. my fellow UX friends and welcome back to the show. I'm very happy to be back. I had some personal matters to sort out recently. That's why I have been so long to come back, but I'm okay and things are better now. And so I'm happy to be back. Without further ado, let's jump in directly into this episode, which will be focused on usability testing. So the goal of this episode is for me to cover three main, three most common asked questions in usability testing. And these are questions that I am answering almost every mentorship session that is focused on usability testing. They always come back. So I thought, why not making a dedicated episode for the ones who cannot, for various reasons, have mentorship sessions? And I hope you will at least learn one thing today. If it's the case, please, please subscribe. Give me a review. That will help me um, to continue to, to go on. And, and if not, also give me feedback so that I can improve, of course. Let's jump right in. So the three main common questions that I'm asked when it comes to planning and conducting a usability test are about first the flow what should be the actual flow of a usability test then it's about how to design and how to write a relevant a intelligible understandable usability task and finally it will be about how to define usability testing metrics so i'm going to start with the flow of a usability test how should a usability test be conducted what should be the flow in this episode, I will not dive especially into the specifics of the moderated or unmoderated usability test. If you're interested, please leave me a comment and I can do a dedicated episode on this topic. Uh, in any case, I'm interested in making a, an episode on this topic. So it's it's possible that, that there will be one. Um, but I will just focus on the flow, a generic flow of usability test. And I will take as an example, let's say, the moderated um, usability test. So for the ones who don't know, moderated usability test is when you are an interviewer and you're moderating the usability test, meaning you are um, at the same time as you're 
participant is actually performing some tasks and using a prototype or a live website, you are asking some questions and you're there to, well, as the name indicates, moderate. Um, nevertheless, and this will be also a topic I will address at the end of this episode, I consider some unmoderated usability tests as almost moderated due to the fact of the platform, such as, for instance, user testing or Maze, um, Qualtrics, being able to ask questions to the user meanwhile they are using the actual prototype or live website. So I will I will include this type of tests into this category of moderated. Let's call them semi-moderated, but this is, you understand the point. So this is the idea that the user is performing some tasks and he or she is not completely alone and they have some questions in the meantime, right? And so what should be the flow for usability tests? So first of all, of course, the user, once they're recruited, so they should know about the study, of course, if they if they accepted to participate, they should at least know about the study. But still, when the when the test starts, it it's still important to uh, remind the participant of the purpose of the test, so giving some kind of instruction, introduction, um, making sure the participant is aware of the data protection um, practices, giving his or her consent explaining the purpose of the test and ensuring confidentiality, of course. So that's the first step. Then what I like to do is always um, performing some kind of contextual dive-in. I, I call this a contextual dive-in. So it's the fact of asking some open-ended questions to the participant. It can also be closed-ended, such as demographics. I don't see a very useful um I don't see it bringing a lot of value at this stage. You can gather that in other ways, such as your customer database, um, so through surveys, um, through the screener as well. So you can you can gather some demographics inside the screener um, before the test itself. So during the test, I would use really the test to ask questions that they can only be asked during the test. Um, so that's why. But at this stage, I would try to ask all the questions that would help me gain a further knowledge and context on my participant that is linked to the actual topic and that will help me contextualize the answers that I will gather afterwards when the participant is actually using the prototype. So they will be open-ended. And so this is the first, of course, um, reason why am I asking these questions is to contextualize the data that we'll have after but not only it's also to help the participant get into the the practice and get into the let's say the atmosphere and get, get getting the hang of the usability test so this is what I call a contextual dive-in it should of, of course be related to the topic that you are assessing so for instance if you're conducting a usability test on a new banking app, you will ask some questions related to um, money spending habits to your participants or bank usage habits and the like, main frustrations and so on, but without them actually seeing any interface. That's important. So that's the first part. And then you should dive into directly the usability test itself. And so this is divided into, um, let's say, 
I would say I would say three main three to four main um, steps. <clears throat> so first of all, of course, your participant should know the scenario. So you should you should set up a scenario. So you should set up the stage and the context because in the end, whether you want it or not, your participant, even if you're moderated moderating, if you're testing something digital, your participant is like in front of a computer or in front of an app and, and it, it's very not likely that it will be in context. So um, the ethnographic studies are kind of rare. I do not, I'm not saying it's not the case, but it, it's more often than not, the, the product is tested out of context. And so that's why it's very useful to have a scenario. So imagine, you would say the participant something like, imagine you um, just install a new banking app and you want to test these features, blah, 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 blah. So it should be like setting the stage. It should not be something very specific. It should be what led the user to the actual task they are about to perform, to the actual activity they are about to perform. In parentheses, I should mention that these are specifics and I'm being very picky, but throughout the usability task, I avoid to mention the word task to the participants because I don't like them to think that they are being assessed or evaluated. And again, another parenthesis inside the parenthesis is that hey, you should always remind your participant that they are not being evaluated. The prototype is the one being evaluated. So giving a scenario would always help the participants to be um, set into context. The scenario should be something broad, something they can relate to, um, and also something that would give some kind of rationale why they will be conducting the, the activity that follows, first of all. And then you should give the task. So now I'm about to answer maybe some questions that are commonly asked. The task in usability test, why, why do we give a task firsthand? Well, because when you design a prototype, and this comes back to the prototype design and the product design. But when you design something, is to answer a problem. So it's to, it's to solve a user problem. We're not designing things out of nowhere. Well, you can, but then you have to test it to see if it actually fits some user's needs and if it actually solves a problem, because if not, it will not be used. So we design products and, and experiences to actually solve user problems. Um, and so the, prop, the, the, the products we design, they have features. So, so this is how we, how we design and define our products. They have features and each one of these features and flows um, are meant to solve particular user problems. And so they are tied to tasks. So it's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of the definition of the jobs to be done. So when we are hired in a company, we are hired to perform a job, right? Um, and so we are kind of used, let's say, I don't like this word, but we are kind of used by the company in order to fulfill a job. Well, it's the same case. It's, it's the same thing for the prototype or for a product. The product is hired by a user in order for it to fulfill a job. And the job in this case, in the case of the usability task, is the task that you're about to define. And so everything comes together in the end. You design a product because it's able to uh, fulfill a job or a need 
And so this is done through the task that the user is doing. So it's the task is the bridge between the product and the need. So that's why we are we are designing tasks to evaluate the performance of our products. Let me give you an example. If I make a banking app and I know that one of the features of the banking app, of course, is for my user to be able to check their actual account balance. So it's a, a fairly common task that a user would do in a banking app. Well, a task I would define would be you're about to check your account balance. Use the prototype to do so. Something like this. So this is how we define tasks. To define a task, you need to first identify what are goals that your customers or users would would have to, to, to accomplish through the use of your app, service, or product. You first have to do this kind of analysis and, and, and maybe brainstorm if you, don't, if you don't have any idea. If you come with a product first, I don't recommend it, but if you come with a product first, you, you, you would need to brainstorm. If you did research before, you need to just phrase your task according to the research you did before. That would be that simple. Now let's get into the details of how should a task be phrased. A task should be goal-oriented. So as I gave you the example of the banking app, it should be oriented towards a goal, which is in this case checking the account balance. And that's it. Nothing more. You absolutely don't want to tell your user, uh, open the menu on the left right corner and then click on the icon representing your profile and so on and so forth you don't want that because this is not what you want to observe this is not what you want to test you want to test if your user when they have the goal of checking their account balance if they actually find that option and if not and this is where it all gets absolutely super interesting if not what you want to know is what they are doing. So success is only one part of the story because if they fail, you want to know why. And by giving so precise directions, you will not be able because with precise directions, they can fail, of course, but you will not be able to have a, as, as rich data as if you did not, if that makes sense. So be goal-oriented. It's kind of, you will get the hang of it by doing it but it's kind of uh, being evasive regarding what they should do. Don't tell them what they should do. Tell them why, why they are doing it, basically. And then you observe. You should accompany that by a, an instruction for them to think aloud. So they should think aloud at all of these stages. <clears throat> if it's an unmoderated test, and if it's a traditional unmoderated test in which they are not being recorded, either the voice or the image, you will not, of course, ask them to think aloud. If it's moderated or semi-moderated, like through user testing, maze and the like, you should ask them to think aloud while they are performing the test. Because if you use these platforms and if you do the test moderated, it's because, again, I'm not coming back to why we are doing moderated or unmoderated, but if you do moderated in this case, it's because you want to gather rich insights and not just, um, metrics and we will talk about metrics later so that's the thing you ask them some contextual diving questions first 
you give them a scenario and you give them the task and you observe how they use the platform, right? And you ask them to think aloud. I forgot, but before, before I give the tasks, oftentimes if I'm doing moderated or semi-moderated, what I ask is in my task or it actually depends. So it can be before, it can be in my task, it can be at each one of the screens. It depends on the platform that I'm using. But I will ask them to comment about the platform. So that's also linked to the think aloud. But I will tell them things like, hey, please hey, think aloud, uh, taking into account your, mentioning your first impressions at each one of the screens, your frustrations, what you like, don't like, and why. Um, also, you can ask them, like when you give them the task and they're about to begin, you can ask them, um, where would you start and what do you expect will happen at each one of the screens? This is very, very interesting. It gets very interesting when they tell you what they expect to happen. They click somewhere and then it doesn't happen this way. This is absolutely amazing. So for me, this is a golden question. It's very difficult to ask the, to to have relevant data throughout all the screens of your flow when you're doing this semi-moderated. Because semi-moderated, your participants can lose the focus and lose the flow and, and for, forget at each screen to, to comment, basically. Whereas if you do it moderated, truly moderated, you can be the one pausing, actually pausing. You can also be your their mouse, their, their hands, let's say. You ask them what they would do and you do it. But this answers different research questions. I'm getting a bit far from the original topic. Anyway, so you can ask them some pre-tasks, pre-questions, then you give them the tasks, and then it, it's always the same way. You give them some follow-up questions, such as, what did you think about this experience? What would you improve? Um, is there something you found particularly clear or unclear? Here, get into the good practices of asking unbiased questions. Don't ask them, what did you find particularly unclear? Because maybe they didn't find anything unclear. And and maybe they found they found some some aspects super clear and, and for them it's positive and they would like to mention it. But if you only talk about the negatives, you will not know what you should keep in your in your interface. So keep that in mind. Be super, super neutral. And if you want to speak about clarity for instance um, you can ask, it, ask this in a way that is balanced, like how clear or unclear was it? Um, yeah, more or less that. And also, this is also the place, particularly if you're doing unmoderated. So if you're doing unmoderated, it should be the case that you are focused on quantity and you want to validate some some usability hypothesis, let's say. And so that's the place where you should administer scales such as please rate um, the attractiveness of this interface, please rate how relevant it is to your daily needs, whatever. But this is the moment when you ask, when you give some scales. And to be specific, I give the scales before the open-ended questions because the fact of answering open-ended questions can bias the scales. Um, it can also be the other way around. I. I if you, you could you could argue that with me and I would agree. However, I think it's less the case the other way around. Um, also because if you ask the open-ended questions first, not everyone will answer the same thing and so they will be biased in a different way, whereas the scales are all the same for everyone. So 
and then you you finish with some post um uh test uh, follow up questions again such as um, what is your ideal experience so usually ask them about their expectations um now that they saw something i want to know how would they improve it so i ask them what would be an ideal experience related to banking whatever to a banking app hey where would you expect uh this or that element to be what information do you need how would you like to access that information these are the typical questions i ask and then i thank them and i also ask them if if they have anything else to add so to sum up the flow of a usability test is more or less the same if it's moderated or unmoderated with some specificities but it always starts with some introduction form consent uh consent form sorry some contextual dive in open it questions to start with to get the participant inside of the flow and to have some data to contextualize the answers that you will get after then you also uh, give them the scenario the task you can give some pre tasks such as what would you expect to happen where would you click and so on you remind them to think aloud and finally you give them some scales and some follow up questions if you need it that's it for today for this part 1 of this three episodes series on how to conduct a usability test the following part will be on how to write a usability task in details and we will also cover in the third part how to define usability testing metrics i hope that you at least learned one thing if it's the case please please share it into the comments um rate rate the podcast if you have some things that you want me to to explore further to dive deeper if you have some questions please feel free to reach out everything will be linked in the show notes thank you again for listening and that's it for today's episode thank you everyone for joining me today on new exchange i hope you found today's episode insightful and valuable Make sure to subscribe in order for you not to miss the next episode. Share it if you liked it and leave a review. Thank you for your time and attention. If you have any questions, comments or suggestions for future topics, feel free to reach out directly to me. You can find all the details in the show notes. And see you in the next episode. Bye-bye. Yeah. Yeah.